What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Ricky Radio. Got another guest for you guys today, another special guest. His name is Marcellus Williams, a.k.a. The Swole Fesser on Instagram and YouTube. He does coaching. He writes training programs. He is a cool guy all around just because for the simple fact he puts out so much good content and free information on his Instagram and YouTube that, you know, I mean, shoot, he's just a cool dude, right? All this free information, he's knowledgeable, he doesn't steer you in the wrong direction, he's just all about simple, scientific, straightforward uh, information when it comes to fitness and health, and that's what more people need to listen to and read up on and research, so I'm all about that. So without you know further ado, go ahead and jump on the call with Marcellus and hope you guys enjoy it. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, check him out on Instagram and YouTube, and tell him I sent you. Marcellus, you there? Yeah, I'm here, Ricky. I'm here, man. How's it going, man? What's, what's, what's been going on? Uh, Usual for the day, man. Uh training got a youtube video up haven't worked out yet i'll probably be doing that once i get off this with you actually so let's okay, get to cool. it <laughs> cool, cool. i know you, i know you just recently went on went on a little trip man did you have a good time out there yeah man uh it was my first time being in california ever I was in the san francisco area and it was it was awesome dude honestly didn't want to leave sure, i bet i'm i'm pretty jealous of you right now myself <laughs> yeah man no it was cool definitely plan on going back sometime soon Cool, cool. Hold, hold you up too long, man. We'll go ahead and jump into it. So, yeah, man, sounds uh, good. I'm going to go ahead and let you guys, if you don't know who uh, the Swole Fester is, I'm going to go ahead and let him take a couple minutes to introduce himself, tell you guys uh, a little bit about his background, where he's been, where he's going, all that good stuff. So, Marcellus, if you want to take it away, give him all your info and all that stuff, that'll be great, man. Oh, man. All right. Put me on the spot. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, guys. Uh, so my name is Marcellus Williams, a.k.a. The Swole Fester on Instagram and The Swole Fester on YouTube. I'm 24 years old. I'm a graduate from the University of North Texas with a degree in kinesiology. I'm a personal trainer at Texas Christian University. I also do online training and online coaching. I'm a USAPL powerlifter. I'm a coach for powerlifting. And... Yeah, I think I already mentioned the YouTube thing. So yeah, I guess like a fitness YouTuber if you wanna if you wanna call that a job as well. So I think that's about it. Yeah, yeah. And um yeah, USAPL powerlifter, seventy four kg. And pretty much, man, I'm all about educating people on health, fitness, and social well being. I'm kinda I guess what you could call uh the the anti uh fitness industry <laughs> type of fitness YouTuber if you wanna put it that way. I kinda <laughs> go against the the trends of the usual stuff. Like, you know, I'm not really one of those dudes who does a bunch of like the the day in the life of vlogs and showing you like what I'm eating and what I'm driving and stuff like that. I try to keep my content focused on things that I feel uh, pretty much really will help you guys. Like I said, health, fitness, social well-being. So of course I'm about things related to training, nutrition, but then also things related just to like social health. Things are going to help, you know, make you hopefully better as a person overall. Cause I mean, there's no point in looking good without a shirt and being able to lift 500 pounds if you're not mentally, you know, where you need to be in life. You know what I mean? So, um, right. Those are, those pretty much what I focus on and I do it by trying to keep things uh, simple, specific, scientific, the three S's of the 12 fesser. 
just because, you know, yeah. pretty much, man, I mean, I'm sure you know this and those listening have probably experienced this. People try to overcomplicate everything, right? There's so much right. myth and misinformation out there in terms of just really everything, man. It doesn't matter if it's training, nutrition. There's a myth for every single thing. People like to overcomplicate things or they like to dump things down to a point where, like, like I said, keep it simple, but you don't have to, like, like you don't dumb it down, though. You know what I mean? Like, there is some complexity to right. certain topics, and it's kind of finding that balance. And then as far as keeping things scientific, I guess I'm, I don't want to use the term evidence-based just because I think there's an extreme with that too. But I like to have a why for everything that I do. I like for everything that I do to be back to some form of uh, research or science or things that we've proven that we know, hey, we know this works. Not that I'm opposed to trying things through trial and error based off experience. If we don't have a whole lot of research on it, but I'm not big on wasting my time doing things that we know don't work because we've already proven that they don't. And then in terms of uh, keeping it specific, just keeping it specific to whoever I'm working with or whoever I'm talking to, um, there's a lot of good information out there, a lot of good general principles that I feel apply to everyone. But in what way they apply can be, you know, specific to you based upon, uh, you know, your, your genetics or your individual circumstances, your lifestyle, et cetera. So that's pretty much me in a quick summed up nutshell and kind of what I'm about. <laughs> Cool, cool, man. That was a good, good little summary you had there. Yeah. But um, but yeah, t- totally agree, man. People, people, I feel like either dumb it down way too much to the point where, like you said, it's a cookie cutter type thing. Yeah. Like plug plug in the variables and and let it rip, or they're like the evidence based people that, like I said, it's cool to have research, right? But you don't want to take it to the extreme that, you know you're just over the top with evidence-based scientific research and research papers and all that stuff. Exactly. Especially when, you know, have a lot of people don't like, you got to take that research and make it applicable to who you're talking to. Like you can't be using a bunch of terms that people don't necessarily understand. And beyond that, it's, I think it's just really understanding that a, a research or like, you know, a study, it's only as good as its application in real life. You know what I mean? Like if I do a mm-hmm. that's, hey, doing 10,000 crunches a day is going to give you like the best abs in the world. That's great. But how many people have the time to do 10,000 crunches in a day? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So uh, just just a side note from myself to you, man. And I'm sure if anyone else has ever checked out any of your videos or other content anywhere else, <clears throat> I just appreciate because as we know, the fitness space and social media and just in general is like super saturated now with like all this bs and people claiming that they're coaches and and nutritionists and all that stuff so just appreciate you putting out just solid simple content like you said earlier man we 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 need more of that for sure no man no i appreciate it man i appreciate you um and appreciate all of you like you know all my subs my followers those who support me you guys literally are what keep me going you know what i mean it's like i can put out you know the best or you know in some people's opinion the worst content out there but it's me <laughs> if people don't want to you know take the time to watch and listen so i appreciate it appreciate you having me on the podcast and like i said man looking forward to just have some good discussion with you yeah man for sure so let's go ahead and get into this first area i wanted to touch on because i feel like recently i had like i've had like t- three or four people in the last like two weeks hit me up or just spark the conversation and they were talking about how, uh, you know, they were starting to lift weights and work out or they were, either, they were thinking about starting or whatever. And it came down to, you know, I feel like what most beginners face at, at some point in their lifting career is the, the pull between 
I want to I want to focus on hypertrophy, aka building muscle size or muscle mass, and actually getting stronger or making you know neurological adaptations or whatever. Yeah. So I just wanted to get let you give your viewpoint on it because and I know it's probably gonna differ between if you're brand new like you never touched a weight versus if you've been working out for you know four or five years and consider uh, intermediate so if you just want to give your spill on on choosing between or at what point you choose between the two and, and stuff like that yeah man definitely so um to start off man and this is actually a great topic it's one of the first topics i ever did when i started my channel a little over a year ago um, just because, like you said, it's a very common thing with beginners, right? Like you said, hey, I want to build muscle, but I also want to be want to be strong. So the good thing is that you can never fully separate the two, regardless of if you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced lifter. You can never separate the two. If you are getting a little bit stronger, then even if you can't see it, on some level, you have gained some muscle. And if you've gained some right. muscle, then you have gained some strength. I think the biggest problem is a lot of people think of strength just as like uh, one rep max testing, right? Like, oh, what's your max? Yep. But, but the reality is getting stronger in, in terms of fitness really just means that you can do more total workload, right? Um, like, for example, if you can go from lifting 225 pounds for one rep to lifting it for 10 reps, even though you didn't add weight, you obviously got stronger, right? Because you're able to lift right. that same weight more times. Um, so I think one problem right there is just people have this misconception of, of like what we think about when we say, hey, you have to like get stronger to build muscle and build muscle get stronger. That's all it means. It's like a, when we think about the fact that our muscles allow us to generate force, right? They allow us to move and like create movement. That's what our muscles are for. It makes sense that a bigger muscle is going to be able to produce more force and therefore you can lift more weight. So strength and hypertrophy pretty much go hand in hand. Now for beginners, the best thing that I tell beginners to do is to focus on strength, focus on like a basic program where, you know, whether it's something where you're doing three sets of 10, five sets of five, whatever the rep range is, something consistent where you're focusing on a handful of movements, right? Like your big compound moves, bench, squat, deadlift, overhead press, um, pull-ups, barbell rows, just your basic compound movements. Some, some accessory work is fine in there too for beginners, but uh, mainly focusing on those big movements and just getting stronger on them. If you're doing a program where it's three sets of 10, okay, if you get three sets of 10 with 100 pounds on a movement, the next time you want to be able to get three sets of 10 with 105 pounds. Or if it's a five by five, same thing. Hey, I can do five by five with 200 pounds that you want to eventually get that to five by five with 205 pounds. And, you know, let's say you add weight and you can't immediately get all three sets of 10 where well, you want to build the reps up with that until you can. And then you add weight again. Reason being for beginners, especially the connection between strength and hypertrophy is probably the strongest for beginners. For the mere fact that if you're getting stronger, you are going to see the size come. I feel one of the biggest problems beginners make is they go in there, right? They do a bunch of random exercises. They're always trying to change it up, trying to quote unquote confuse the muscle, doing a whole bunch of high reps and like high volume and stuff that one, they may not be able to adequately recover from because they're beginners and their work capacity isn't that high. Or two, they're doing all these different things and they feel like they're doing a lot, but you're not actually progressing. They're not actually getting stronger in any of these movements. Why? Because they're constantly switching movements. They're not consistent with any movements. They're constantly going from one thing to another, trying to do all this different stuff. When in reality, if they just focus on getting stronger on a handful of movements, they're going to see their muscles grow as they get stronger. Now, the proportions are going to vary from person to person genetically, right? I can have two people on right. the same program and one of them may get stronger a little bit faster. The other one may gain muscle a little bit faster. And the proportions of you know how much muscle you gain in proportion to your strength varies from person to person. For example, you and I can both get our bench to 315 pounds, right? Maybe that adds right. two inches to your chest. It might add five inches to mine. 
and then vice versa. We can both maybe add three inches to our chest from training and it may increase my bench press by five pounds. It may increase yours by 10. And a lot of that just has to do with like genetics and your muscle fiber distributions, your leverages, et cetera. But without getting too deep into the complexities of that, the answer for beginners is uh, both focus on getting stronger and that will lead to hypertrophy for you. So that's the first thing I would tell beginners is to understand that. Now, as we get more into like, you know, the, the intermediate or even like the advanced lifters, which like I'm sure most of your audience doesn't even necessarily like get into advanced. I personally don't even consider myself advanced yet. I'd say I'm more like high and intermediate gradually approaching that level. But right. it kind of come, it comes down to you can still, there's still a connection, right? You, even if you're focused on hypertrophy, you're still going to get a little bit stronger and then vice versa, but you can shift your focus a little bit more towards one or the other. And the real difference is just volume, right? Because uh, the right. most important thing for muscle growth is like total volume. We, we increase the volume, we increase the workload. And when I say volume, a lot of people just think like, you know, reps and sets, but all volume is in a nutshell is your sets times your reps times your weight. And it's looking at it from a weekly perspective of how much total work you're doing for each muscle group throughout the week. For people who are focused more on building strength, um, you still need a, a minimum effective volume to build strength, but it's going to be less than the volume you need for like maximizing muscle growth. The reason being is it's going to be a little bit less volume because there's going to be a greater emphasis on intensity. When I say intensity, I'm not talking about like screaming and, you know, and like yelling <laughs> and trying to get high. When we talk about intensity, we're just referring to load on the bar. There's going to be a greater emphasis on adding load to the bar, adding weight to the bar when you're more focused on getting stronger, like a power lifter, right? Versus right. Um, trying to just increase that total weekly volume when you're, uh, when you're focused more on like hypertrophy, like say what bodybuilders are. Because a common misconception is people think you just got to change like the rep ranges, right? They think like, oh, three reps build strength, uh, 10 reps plus will build muscle, right? Well, yep. in actuality, it comes down to the fact that all rep ranges are equal when it comes to building muscle. Rep ranges have different performance elements. For example, if you work with 15 to 20 reps all the time, you're going to get good at doing 15 to 20 reps. You're going to be good with more muscular endurance, right? Whereas if you're right. working with singles, doubles, and triples, you're going to get better at singles, doubles, and triples. So you're going to get better at like being stronger. But the reality is um, three sets of 10 with 100 pounds, right? That's the same total volume as 10 sets of three with 100 pounds. The only difference is um, the pre person that's doing sets of three is going to probably get a little bit stronger, a little bit faster. And the person who's doing sets of 10 will probably have a little bit better muscular endurance in that rep range. But they're going to put on the same amount of muscle, assuming the weight on the bar is the same because it's the same total volume, right? 10 times three times 100 is the same thing as three times 10 times 100. Um, yeah. But the reason that we tend to see people who are focused on hypertrophy more work with higher rep ranges more is just because it's a quicker and easier, more efficient way of getting the volume in. Obviously, three sets of 10 will take way less time than 10 sets of three. And if your main focus isn't necessarily like strength, but more so volume than doing, you know, three sets of 10 and gradually making that four sets of 10, five sets of 10 or three sets of 12, four sets of 12, that's going to get you more total volume um, than if you're just working like, you know, with singles, doubles and triples, right? So that's right. what you do when you get to that intermediate stage. You just put a greater emphasis on volume for hypertrophy and then a greater emphasis on intensity for strength. But you still need both in, in the sense that even if I'm doing like, you know, three, like I said, three sets of 10, right? Um, let's say I'm focused on volume, so I'm doing three or five sets of 10. If I, I guarantee you, if I go from doing three sets of 10 with 225 pounds, and that's the most I can do to – where I can now do five sets of 10 with 225 pounds, I guarantee you that my total strength, my max level strength also went up, even though that wasn't my focus. 
And in the yep. same way, if I'm focused on more strength in the sense of I'm working with lower rep ranges, like I, let's say I go from doing five sets of three with 225 to, hey, I can do five sets of three with 315. I guarantee you that my chest has gotten bigger in that time frame as well, even though my main focus was more on intensity. So it just shows that no matter what level you're at, you're still working on both hypertrophy and strength because you can't separate the two. It's just you put a greater emphasis on one on the other based upon how you're training. And then we know that with strength, there's other things that come in, that are involved with strength outside of muscle mass, like, you know, like I said, leverages, um, your neurological adaptations to training, to like training with heavier loads, et cetera. But at the end of the day, like I said, you can't separate the two. So for beginners, just focus on getting stronger and you will get bigger. And then as you become a more intermediate lifter, you just either place a greater emphasis on your volume or you place a greater emphasis on your strength. But whether you're focused on strength or hypertrophy, I think it's really important in your training to have days where you go a little bit heavier and then have days that are a little bit more focused on volume anyway, just because you're going to benefit from that. And you're, you're going to easily see that training in different rep ranges is going to help you in the long run, right? If you get what you can do for sets of three to be higher, it's going to impact your sets of 10 and vice versa. Right, right, right. And that, that kind of leads nicely into the next, the next question or topic, which you already touched on a little bit, but just going into it maybe a little bit more than scratching the surface, just so people can get a, uh, maybe a better idea for themselves, like which direction to hit in as far yeah. as, as far as volume, because I go into gym so many times, right? And I'll see someone, you know, whether they're a beginner or intermediate or whatever, they'll be in the gym. You know, I see some people in there for two hours and they'll be doing they'll literally be doing an arm day and be doing every single bicep, tricep variation that the gym offers for two hours. And then I'll also see people on the flip side of the coin. They'll go in and they'll they'll hit something for 30 minutes. You know, they might have got in a total of, I don't know, 10, 10 sets of arms before they left the gym. So for someone that's starting off or just trying to get a gauge for how much work they should do in the gym, how much volume they should be doing, what's a good way for someone to figure out where what's a good starting point for that? Yeah, that's an excellent question, man. Um, just because, like, like you said, it, it depends. It depends on a few things. So volume is very subjective in the sense of what's high volume for one person may not be high volume for somebody else. We can each recover from things at a different rate, which is ironic. I was actually talking about this on my Instagram story um, earlier today, a few hours ago, before we got on this call, um, explaining that everybody has a different threshold, right? You may be able to do, let's say, hypothetically, you can handle 10 to 15 sets a week of chest exercises, right? Whereas somebody else may be able to handle 15 to 20 sets. Um, but for beginners, I think the big thing is knowing that your work capacity is, is going to be very, um, very small compared to, you know, people are intermediate or advanced, regardless of how good your genetics are. Granted, even as beginners, genetically, some people recover faster than others. Um, but the best thing for beginners to do, like I said, is just get on a basic linear progression program. And all that means is that um, you're on a program that's like, consistent you're kind of doing the same things over and over it may be like you know maybe you have an a day and a b day and you're going back and forth between those like for example a basic program where let's say you're doing like five by fives on a squat bench and uh barbell rows on one day and then on the other day it's like a five by five with uh deadlifts overhead press and then uh pull-ups or lat pull downs on the other day right and yep. the best thing they can do is simply focus on like just progressing on those going back and forth so you'll do a day then maybe you'll rest a day, then the next day you do B day, then rest, then A day, they just go back and forth, right? So you're pretty much working out 
every other day or at least, you know, like three times a week. If you go like A, B, A, the next week, B, A, B. And you'll see just as you train and get stronger, you'll gradually build up your work capacity. Um, and with most basic beginner programs that are out there, it's set to a point where most people will be able to like, you know, get involved with it and start it regardless of like their genetic recovery. Right. And you'll right. kind of have to build that up over time. Now, as you become more intermediate advanced, uh, unfortunately, a lot of it really does come through trial and error. And here's the reason why, because you'll see you, you I guarantee you can Google right now, oh, minimum effective volume, right? You'll see some people say things like, oh, 10 sets uh, each muscle per week, 15 sets, 20 sets, et cetera. But the problem is, we, like I said, we, there's more to volume than just sets, right? It's like, okay, well, 10 sets of what? 10 sets of how many reps? How much weight? Because th there's a significant difference, right? 10 sets of 10 with 100 pounds is drastically different than 10 sets of five with 300 pounds. So trying to do it just based off sets is very different. What like I said, a lot of it is um, trial and error. Because like I said, the key is reaching your minimum effective volume, right? And that's the good thing. The reason why it's not, even though we can't know exactly where to start you off, you have a minimum effective volume. And all that means is that's the minimum amount of volume you need in order to progress to either build strength or build muscle. If you're training under that, then the best thing you're going to do is maintain. Now, right. what you're trying to seek to do with that minimum effective volume is gradually build it up to you were getting to a, a maximum adaptative volume. That means when you're constantly pushing the volume a little bit more, um, you know, over time, each week, each month, you're able to uh, um, to push the volume, adapt to the volume, recover, and then push a little bit more. But as you continue to do that, you're going to eventually reach a point, which is your uh, your max recoverable volume. And that's the total amount of volume you can do and still recover from and get some type of growth. Now, we don't want to stay near this area for too long. Reason being is that even though, yes, it's your max recoverable volume, so you're able to recover from that volume eventually what's going to happen is you're going to run out of energy for that because all your energy is just going to go into recovering. Right. So you won't have an energy left to adapt and get stronger. So at that point, that's when people start to do things like they go into a new training cycle, which where they go into a little deload or they start a little bit lighter and they kind of repeat the whole process. So the best thing that you can do once you kind of get out of like your beginner phases and you'll know when you're out of it. it usually if assuming you're on a properly structured program, it usually your, your linear progression will last you about, a year, maybe a little bit longer than that year to year and a half or so. Um, in some cases, two years, but that's usually for people who were kind of spent the first few months just trying to figure out what to do right before they got on something right. structured. Um, right, right. Once you kind of get through that phase, it's going to be a matter of like just getting on, like I said, more of a basic intermediate periodized program. And you have to kind of through trial and error, see how far you can push it, how much volume you can actually handle before you start realizing you're plateauing. Hmm, I'm not really getting much stronger. I'm not really at, able to add sets, reps or weight, not just on one movement, but collectively on everything. And then you start kind of pulling it back and then going back from it again. Like I said, some people are going to be able to handle more volume than others. Um, and it just kind of varies. But unfortunately, that's more of something you find out through trial and error the good thing is by the time you've gone through kind of your beginner game phase you become a little bit more intermediate you're going to have a better idea of what your body can handle just intuitively you're going to kind of be able to gauge from there okay i can this is the type of program that i think I can handle this is the type of program that i probably can't handle but like once again a lot of it is trial and error for me myself a lot of things that i found out about what i can handle recovery wise after like building my initial base and work capacity came from trial and error i had to like try a program or um, for a certain amount of time to see how my body responded to it. And then I realized, okay, uh, maybe my back can handle this much volume, but my chest can't, or maybe my legs can handle this much volume, but my back can't, things like that. So a lot of that just comes from trial and error um, as you start building your work capacity up. Yep. Yep. Dope, dope answer to the question, man. That's, 
that's one thing that kills me when I when I talk to people that are working out, whether they just started or been at it for a few months or a couple of years. Like, I feel like so many people are unwilling, and I'm sure you have ran into this being a trainer, that so many people are unwilling to, you know, do research and trial and error with themselves. It's like they, they want the immediate plan, whether it's in the gym, a nutrition, they want the immediate results and they're impatient, right? So they don't want to, you know, spend months, you know, trying a program to see what they can handle and what they can and what movements, what exercises work best for them. Like, I just feel like so many people are so impatient that it, it really inhibits what yeah. prevents them from really reaching a good point. And then they kind of just fall off the wagon completely sometimes or, you know, okay. just end up in la-la land, right? Completely, man. It's uh, it's it's paralysis by analysis. It's like I like you run into that, but you also run into people where they research so much and they look up so many different things. They're looking up beginner techniques, intermediate techniques, advanced techniques, uh, minimum effective volume, max intensity, concurrent programming, all these different advanced topics, and they haven't even started lifting a barbell yet. It's like, dude, the thing you <laughs> was just getting in the gym, being consistent, and getting stronger. And the rest you kind of figure out as you go. Granted, there's a lot of research out there to kind of help us get a base, right? Like you can give me any um, intermediate lifter right now, right, who just finished up his beginner games. And regardless of his genetics recovery, we can figure out his minimum effective volume relatively quickly and kind of start going from there, right? Right. Um, however, figuring out just how much he'll be able to handle in the long run, that's going to take time. That's going to take going through the process of training him. And a lot of people, like you said, they don't want to do that, which is like really unfortunate um, and it's usually like one extreme or the other in the sense of like they'll, they'll have all the knowledge and, and, and research, right? But they have so much of it where they don't want to start. Or it's the other opposite extreme where you have somebody where they have no knowledge about anything they're doing. They just want to do every, any and everything. But that's just as counterproductive, right? Because you got to find what's actually going to be optimal and effective for the goals that you're trying to reach. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and see, these points are leading nicely ne next to the next one. The, uh, that that group of people that you know start working out or have been working out for a little bit and they don't they don't really feel you know ready to do a whole bunch of trial you know research a, a, enough to figure out a good a good starting point and you know just get started and take some action they'll end up doing a program or copying you know what in their favorite lifters right or one of their favorite youtubers yeah. And yeah. they'll they'll take their exact program or their exact routine, not to take anything away from who they're copying, because, you know, everyone's different. Some people are legit. Some people aren't. But, yeah. you know, you run you can run into a whole lot of problems. Right. Because you never know who's who's on, you know, some kind of performance enhancing thing, you know, or if they're just super genetically inclined. And then you're doing this program that may or may not benefit you at all. Right. So what do you say to those people, especially the newer people and younger people that are like, I want to look like, you know, Arnold or I want to look like Simeon Panda and, you know, they copy their exact thing, right? Yeah. So um, two things, man. I mean, there's there's a lot more than two, but two things that kind of immediately come to mind. Uh, the first thing is that I was trying to tell people the importance of discerning valid fitness information from BS. That is so important because I feel like too many people get caught up in – um who the information is coming from and not the information itself. And what I mean by that is at the end of the day, man, as much as people don't like to admit it, and I get it, I get it. Like with, for example, the whole fake natty thing, people are like, Oh, you're presenting an image that can't really be attained naturally and stuff like that. I get that personally, me, 
I don't care if somebody's using stuff or not. So like, um, I want them to be honest about it, but even if they're not, my thing is more so is if you're not trying to make money off of your status as being natural or sell program nutrition advice training off of your, the status of your own physique, when you know you're not natural and you're lying about it, I have an issue with that. Outside of that, man, I don't really care. And the reason that I don't is because I'm a big believer in equipping people with the ability to know about fitness information from invalid fitness information. Meaning I don't care if the person giving the information is obese I don't care if they're natty. I don't care if they're not natty. What's important is, is what they're saying true and applicable. If somebody right. who's overweight, um, who's, you know, decides to do a YouTube video where he's eating McDonald's and KFC, Taco Bell, and whatever else, and it's never stepped foot in the gym, if he tells you that, hey, the key to building um, strength or muscle is progressively overloading, gradually doing more work over time, guess what? He is correct. It doesn't matter yep. if he's never applied it himself. He is correct. Whereas if somebody who's like, you know, the most genetically gifted, um, maybe he's never even taken sort of just genetically gifted, greatest physique. He's over here um, benching 500 and squatting 800, deadlifting 1,000 pounds. If he tells you that, hey, um, drinking your piss every morning is going to help you be like me, guess what? It's, he's wrong. Like, it's as simple as that. He's wrong. So I think the big thing is people needing to get more focused on what you're being told and not who it is that's telling it to you. Now, granted, things like, you know, um, credentials like, hey, you're certified or you have a degree and stuff. That's great. But the reality is, man, even with me being ha- being a certified trainer, having a degree in kinesiology, I can still choose to say something backwards that's just not true, right? Whereas right. We can somebody who's not certified, maybe he just watched a good YouTube video and he says, well, no, I disagree. I don't think that's true. And he would be correct whether he has a degree or not. So I think the first thing is getting people to understand that, that fitness, unfortunately, a lot of aspects of fitness have, and don't get me wrong, like you said, in some aspects it is, and we'll kind of, I'll kind of touch on this, but a lot of people treat health and fitness like it's uh, this subjective philosophical thing. It's like they ignore the fact that we have science to back certain points w- related to anatomy and physiology and metabolism, et cetera. Right. It's kind of yeah. like, it's kind of like if I tell you, Hey man, you can't breathe underwater. You're not going to sit there and argue that with me. Right. Unless you have issues You're not <laughs> because we just, it's a fact. We know it's true. Well, the, reality, the problem is that there's so many facts of fitness and health that are out there that people don't know because, like you said, it's been so convoluted in this oversaturated industry where people can just kind of say whatever they want without having to prove anything that they're saying. So I think the first thing is just getting people to understand that, hey, you need to have a certain base of knowledge. You don't have to go to school and get a degree in exercise science, but you need to have a basic you know, understanding of things like progressive overload calories in versus calories out so that way you can you know keep from being fooled by people who are trying to scam you as far as like oh this is the perfect diet for you or this program is perfect for you when in actuality it can just depend on your circumstances and you know there's certain rules that no matter how good the diet is they don't negate right like i don't care if you're on the keto diet vegan diet whatever diet no diet negates calories in versus calories out if you want to lose weight you got to be in a deficit if you want to gain weight you need to be in a caloric surplus um, and there's so many people that also try to argue against that and say that there's like, like, oh, there's more to it and there's other aspects to it. And there are other aspects to it, but ultimately none of those aspects negate that simple fact. Uh, it's the same thing with progressive overload. If you want to get bigger, you need to eventually get stronger over time, whether that's adding weight to the bar, doing the same way for more sets, more reps, whatever it may be. And there'll be people who try to make it seem like their program somehow negates that fact, but that simply isn't the case. So the first thing is just get a basic understanding of these concepts and there's channels out there other than my own that will teach you these basic concepts and you'll know that and and one big thing is that they're not trying to sell you anything right that there's no like ads they're trying to get you to buy their clothes they're just trying to give you some genuinely good information or if nothing else man something as simple as go to the library and get an anatomy textbook get a physiology textbook 
It may yep. seem like, oh man, I got to study and stuff before. Yeah, man, if you're really, try- if you're going to do something as, I don't use the word dangerous because the internet's a great source, but if you're going to use something as oversaturated as the online fitness industry to get your information, you need to have a base of knowledge to help you understand what's valid and what's not. So that way, if you hear something off the bat, if it goes against one of those basic principles that we know are true, then you don't even have to worry about trying to figure out if it's right or not because you already know, okay, this is off. Whereas if it's something else where you're not sure, but it seems like it's kind of building off one of those base principles, you can look into it some more. That's something you can spend more time looking into and researching to see if it's true or not. And right. then uh, the second thing I would tell people is understanding the simple reality that it doesn't matter what drugs you get on, what program you get on, or what nutrition you're doing. You can only ever look like you, period. Yeah. The moment you were born, you have a certain you have certain muscle insertions and leverages and muscle bellies. And that is completely genetic. All resistance training does is um, is add muscle size to you. It doesn't change the shape of your muscles. All it can do is get your muscles um, bigger. That's it. A lot of people try to say things like, oh, some exercises, they tone you, they'll shape the muscle. Other exercises, they grow the muscle. That's not how it works. It doesn't matter if you're doing triceps <laughs> for five sets of 100 or you're doing bench press for like three sets of 10. They're both going to grow your triceps, right? And at the end yeah. of the day, that's, that's it. That's all resistance exercise training can do is grow what's already there. It can't change your muscle shapes and assertion. So if somebody's like, hey, I want to look like Simeon Panda or I want to look like Arnold, one, you probably don't have anywhere near as much, you know, um, <laughs> certain substances that they have access to. <laughs> and two, even if you do, and that's the big thing. A lot of people think, well, I'm going to hop on because it's going to let me get to their low physique. It's not, though. You're still only going to look like you because you only have a certain genetic potential for what you can look like. You can't change the shape of your chest, your arms, your legs, or anything else. So I would first and foremost tell them there's nothing wrong with looking at people and being motivated by their physiques or their work ethic and be like, man, I want to like – like they worked hard and look what they were able to do. I want to do that for myself. That's totally fine. But it's understanding that um, if that one motivation comes and goes and that two, you need to be disciplined to know that, hey, it's about enjoying the process of getting to where I'm trying to go. Because that's the thing. Everybody thinks they're going to reach a certain point, right? We're like, oh, they look a certain way and then they're just good. And some people do. Some people generally, they, they have a goal to be a certain weight or to look a certain way. They look in the mirror, they're happy and they stop. But for the most of us, I'm sure you've experienced as well, you always want a little bit more, right? Like as human beings, we're not easily yep. contented. And that's with most things in life. And that's why I tell people learn to enjoy the process. Um, goals when it comes to fitness are to give us a direction, whether it's a certain weight on the scale or being able to lift a certain amount of weight on a certain movement or just look a certain way in the mirror. It's just to give you a direction. But you got to learn to enjoy the process of training as a whole. Because if you learn to enjoy that, then even when you come to the realization that, oh, wow, no matter how hard I train, I'm never going to look like Simeon Pan or Arnold you aren't going to care because you're going to just love the process of bettering yourself and making yourself better. And that's not to say that um, there's people like, cause you know, when I say that some people get discouraged, like, Oh, I'm never going to look good. No, not at all. Anybody. Listen, you put on 15 to 20 pounds of muscle. I don't care if you're a guy or girl and you, you, you know, you, you get down to like, you know, like 10, 12, 30% body fat for a guy, maybe like, you know, 15 to 18 for a girl, you're going to look better than 90% of the population. I promise you. <laughs> like, <laughs> True. It's just with this industry and with Instagram, where you're seeing all these people, whether they're enhanced or just genetically elite or just taking like the best pictures and the best lighting, whatever it may be. I think people get in this mindset of like, oh, I don't look good. Or I'm never going to look good. When it's like, dude, go to your go to your local mall, go to your local Walmart, <laughs> everything. If you've been in the gym consistently training the right way and eating the right way for just three years, I promise you, you probably already look better than 90 percent of the people around you. But we we put ourselves in these echo chambers, right? So, I mean, that's, yep. that's the big thing. I would tell people to be aware that what they're doing 
it's not even always so much that it doesn't work, but it may not work for you to the same degree in the sense that you may not look like them. And then two, understand that some of these people get the results, not because of what they're doing, but in spite of what they're doing. If I take somebody with elite genetics or who's on a certain amount of drugs, whatever it may be, and I at least have them doing some things right, like, hey, they're progressively overloading, right? Then they're going to get results. They're going to look great. They may say yeah. that the reason they look good is because, oh, I do a thousand jumping jacks every day, or I eat this supplement, or I do this or that. But it's like, that's, that's when you have to be objective and look at the research and be like, okay, this person says that by um, taking these additional supplemental BCAAs outside of what he gets from his food, that that's why he looks the way he does. But if we can look at the research and see that that is simply not true, then it lets me understand, okay, he's doing something right. Something about his training may be on point as far as maybe he is progressively, progressively overloading, but that doesn't mean all aspects of what he's doing is correct, right? And that's the problem. Yeah. It's easy for me to take one thing I'm doing right, then mix it in with 10 other things that have nothing to do with, what I'm, that, with the way I look, but try to sell those things, right? Because it's hard to sell simple, basic truths. But if I can make my yeah. own complicated thing, my own concoction of this supplement or my own specialized whatever routine – then I can easily be like, oh, this is the reason I look the way that I do or that I'm doing what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's important for people to be aware of that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I I mean, shoot, sometimes myself, man, even having been, you know, training for, I don't know, like four four years or a little more now, like I'll catch myself, I'll be looking in the mirror or something and be like, you know, man, I, ain't, I feel like I ain't made no gains. But it's just because I just got through looking – at someone's Instagram page and and getting caught up in it again, right? Even though I've been at it for a few years now, and I realize that people have access to stuff, whether it's you know performance enhancing stuff, or like you said, you know, some people, most people aren't gonna go in the gym and take a crappy picture of themselves, right? Exactly. So it's hard for people to wrap their head around that, especially I find that you know females. And, you know, guys that are complete beginners, they, they have an image in their head of what they want to look like. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, you know, people that people that have been working out for years don't even look like that half the time. Right. When they're out of the gym and out of season, if they compete and stuff like that. So, right. And, and, that, it can, and that's why I tell people that's why I think it's so important. If there's one thing I wish I would have done more of, surprisingly, this might surprise people. It's that I wish I would have taken more pictures when I started granted in today's day and age, I take too many, but I wish I would have just so it's, you can really appreciate how far you come when you look back at where you started. That's that's the big thing. That's one thing that I think is just great. Rather than getting caught up in everybody else's pictures of how great they look, look at old pictures of yourself, look at where you're at, you know, three, four years later. And there's no way you can tell me that you haven't made gains or haven't improved yourself. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And that, that leads me into the one of the last points. We So we talked about most of this stuff is, you know, starting out or people that have been, you know, working out for a few months to a couple of years. But let's let's assume that this person that is starting a fitness journey or whatever, whether they want to be a power lifter or, or bodybuilding goals, aesthetics, whatever it is. You know, let's say they don't want to deal with doing all the research and putting in a whole lot of time and effort into programming and nutrition, and they start looking towards hiring a trainer, whether that trainer is face-to-face or whether that person is online and they're buying a program or coaching or something like that. I'm interested to hear your opinion and how you kind of go about, you know, looking at, 
your clients and and kind of adopting the principles to to what their goal is because like you said there's so many scams out here you know it's hard for some people especially if they're new to pass up on it because they're offering you know a secret or this specific workout to do to burn fat or build muscle and all this stuff so yeah as a trainer and someone who provides programming and coaching you know what are the what are some of the things that people should one look out for if they're looking for a trainer as far as avoiding and some things that you should look for and be like okay this guy seems legit he's got some solid principles and, and stuff like that yeah um, so first thing kind of goes back to what we we're talking before is like, say, even if it's not very in depth, cause I, like you said, some people are there for whatever reason they want to do with their own research, still have a, have a small base of knowledge, just because if you don't, how are you going to know what to look for in a good or bad coach? Right. So something right. as simple as having a basic knowledge is going to help. Like for example, certain things to avoid any coach or trainer that makes it seem like they have the key to gains that no one else does. You need to avoid them for the, <laughs> for the mere fact that, I, get, I always tell people all this time, there is so much free information out there on the internet that technically speaking, anybody who's willing to put in the time and effort would not have to get a trainer or coach to lose weight or to get stronger or anything like that, if you don't do it in the most optimal way. So if there's anybody out there that's making it seem like, hey, sign up with me, you'll get my custom-made program or my custom-made diet that is guaranteed to get you results that no one else can, you probably want to stay away from them. That's just, that's, that's kind of like just typical sales pitch garbage, right? Um, right. Something else that you want to avoid are um, trainers who are who are afraid of you asking them questions. And what I mean by that is something as simple as, and I've seen this so much before, like on Instagram, somebody will be saying, like, "Hey, I'm now offering training or offering a special deal on training. Hit me up, blah blah." blah. And you'll see people in the comments simply asking, "Hey, well, what are your credentials or who are you certified with? Like, like what qualifies you to train me, right?" And they'll either ignore it. Or they'll be very hostile, be like, like, why are you asking me all these questions? Or um, <laughs> I'm like, like, oh, why are you hating? I'm just trying to make it. It's like that, right? And it's, it, to me, that's wild because it's like, to me, even though I understand people just look at this field as just a way of making money, at the end of the day, we're talking about people's health, their longevity, their lives. To me, personal training is essentially a form of preventative care, right? There's, there's curative, which would be like, you know, your doctors, uh, your physical therapists, et cetera. And then there's preventative, which are people like, you know, your personal trainers. We try to keep you from having to experience those injuries and health issues. You don't have to go see the doctor or the physical therapist as much, right? Um, right. So I always ask people, if somebody came up to you and said, hey, man, uh, let's say you need a heart surgery or a heart transplant or something, right? You need some type of surgery. And somebody comes up to you and says, hey, man, yeah, I'll do it for you. And you ask them, okay, well, what are your credentials? And they tell you, man, why are you hating? Why are you asking all those questions? <laughs> let that person perform surgery on you. So it's the same thing with training. I think a simple matter of, of knowing that this person's actually certified. It's easy. I can put any random thing in my bio, say, oh, certified by this. But something as simple as asking for a picture of it, you know, something like that. Seeing if, if they're up to date, staying up to date with their training certifications. You want to make sure you avoid people who don't want to um, answer questions. If you, let's say you start training with the person, let's say like the introduction seems cool, you start training with the person and they're the type of person where they'll always tell you what to do, but they won't explain why. That's not a sign of a good trainer because it lets you know, not even what they're telling you is wrong, but they probably don't fully understand why what they're doing is right or wrong to begin with. Because that's one thing you can ask any of my clients, they'll tell you there's not a single thing that they're doing as far as exercises, movements, nutrition, any adjustments we make, I always explain to them why, because I'm so big on self-regulation. I'm not about somebody who needs to make his clients dependent on him so that they'll never leave and I keep taking their money. 
because the way I look at it, both from an ethical standpoint and then just of success standpoint is for me as a trainer, my goal is to get this person as self-regulated as possible. Now, if they're like a power lifter, like an athlete where they constantly want to coach to keep them on point, that's different. Long-term with them, I'm cool with. Or if it's someone that has long-term health and fitness goals, like they need to lose like over 200 pounds, I'm fine with that. But if it's someone basic, like not, not basic, but like a general population where they're just trying to get stronger, um, get the basic tools to continue on on their own. And by the time we're through, you know, four months or so, when we're done, if they choose to resign because they just enjoy having me as a trainer or they like the accountability, that's one thing. But if they resign because they have no clue what to do, Marcellus isn't here anymore, what do I do? Then I felt them as a trainer. And beyond that, I'd much rather know that I'm helping a few people here and there, getting them self-regulated, then they go tell their friends about me and then their friends come to me and it grows that way than to have the same five people for years. But then it never goes beyond that because one, they don't know what they're doing and they never leave me. And two, other people are going to notice that. They're going to be like, man, that dude has been with this guy for five years and still doesn't know what he's doing. That's, that's, yeah. that's something you want to avoid. You want to make sure that if any questions you have, they're willing to answer them. Um, and then I think a, a huge thing, huge thing to avoid is going to be um, people who try to uh, sell you like their training or the nutrition, their programming on the basis of themselves, meaning their own physique or their own results. It's not hard to get yourself, yourself in shape. You can do nine out of 10 things wrong and still make yourself look good, right? That's why everybody who has, you know, abs thinks that they're a trainer or a fitness expert on Instagram or YouTube, right? Um, right. If you want to look at somebody who's like, look, go look through, their, look through their clients, see what results that their clients have gotten. Maybe go talk to some of their clients to see like, hey, man, like I'm thinking about hiring your coach as a trainer. Um, what do you think about them? Like, what's the process like? Things like that. I, if you're trying to sell it on the basis of your own physique, you have to be careful of wondering, okay, well, is this person look the way they do because genetic elites or drugs, or e even if they're just doing everything the right way, it's a lot easier to train yourself than to train other people, right? Because you know what works, right. but you have to figure out what works well for others. So as far as things to avoid, um, basic things like that, as far as things that I think are a good sign, um, and I know it's going to sound biased, obviously, but I found the importance of this as I've done it. Somebody that has some type of informative page, whether it's uh, an Instagram page, it's informative, a YouTube channel, a blog, something that shows, hey, this person knows what they're talking about and they're trying to put out good, genuine, free knowledge and not this person where they're only giving this information to people who, um, who are paying them, right? Like, and that's the thing, like all my clients will tell you that everything that they know, everything that they've learned, there's not a single thing that I'm helping them with that I haven't done a YouTube video on already. The difference is right. if you hire me as a coach, it's all right there for you. You don't have to put as much work or thought into it. I lay it out there for you. I explain what you're doing, explain why you're doing it. You just have to execute versus, if, you know, if you're just doing it on your own, you're going to have to take the time to watch all the videos and see what applies and test this out and test that out. Whereas with me having more experience, I can help you figure things out a little bit quicker. But I'm not giving my clients anything that I'm not already showing for free through some type of informative content on my YouTube or Instagram. So I think that's a really great sign because it lets you know that, that person isn't just in it for the money. And don't get me wrong, I'm not one of these people who acts like if you're trying to like make money, then you're a horrible person. Of course I want to make money. Anybody who, who lives in the world <laughs> want to make money to be successful is lying. But I know there's a right way to go about it. I know there's a way I can go about it without being unethical. I don't have to lie to someone or scam them or screw them over, make them dependent upon me to be successful in this industry. Like I'm I'm living proof of that right now. I've only been doing this as far as the whole YouTube Instagram thing for a little bit over a year. I started in October of 2016 and I'm doing, you know, on top of like the in-person training and the online training, YouTube and all that stuff, I'm doing just fine, not having to scam anybody. So right. 
just I think that's another big thing is like, are they offering some type of informative stuff? And then two, do they are they certified? Do they are they actually certified? If they are and you know they are, that's that's great right there. Whether it's they have a degree in kinesiology, exercise science, or certified through an uh, you know a credible um, association, that's huge right there. Um, so I think those are things to definitely like you know consider and look into. And, and you can tell, man, like, really, like, I think the problem is people get really desperate. So they kind of just grab onto whatever they can get. But right. um, little things like asking if you can, like, do, like you know, um, have a little, like, Skype chat with them, things like that. That's going to make, like, a huge difference. Like, for me personally, if it's a trainer where they do, um, like, email only and that's it, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But it's something to kind of be worried of because it's easy for me to have. I could easily have, like thousands of clients give them the same cookie cutter stuff, right? If I only have to do things through email, it's different than when you have to actually Skype them and talk to them and like check in and see how things are really going. Right. So things like that. And then as far as in-person training, uh, I'll say that there are a lot of good trainers at, even at like commercial gyms and stuff like that, but they may not always be able to work with you under the best circumstances. A lot of them get paid based off commission. A lot of them, unfortunately, um, only get 45 minutes to an hour with you. Right. Um, so yeah. in that case, that's something you kind of do have to figure out through trial and error. You have to try different trainers in person, see kind of like what's what, but little basic things like that, like make sure the person's certified, sitting down and talking with them, kind of seeing what their training methodology is, things like that. That's going to help you go a long way. For sure. That, that was one thing that always frustrated me because I had, I had taken my, uh, certification exam for, uh, through ACE. Yeah. And, uh, I had. I think I took that and I got my certification back in what, 2018. So I think I had it. I got it in 2016, like early part of 2016. And I started training at uh, my university when I was in grad school. And it just frustrated me so much that we were limited to an hour three times a week because, yeah. you know, with these with complete beginners coming in and, you know, they – them not knowing anything about the proper form or why they were doing certain exercises you know I had to stop and take the time to tell them number one why along with showing them how to perform it and you know it would you throwing a warm-up in there and you know explaining stuff to them an hour goes by like nobody's business right so I don't know that always frustrated me I get it I get it a little bit from a business standpoint why they have to do it like that, but so many of my clients need it so much more than an hour. I don't know, even even if it was just an hour and fifteen minutes, I feel like I could have got so much more out of it. But trainer problems. Did you um with those clients, did you take the time to the best of your ability if you were able to to like text or email them things outside of your sessions to kind of like give them more information to help them out? Yeah, I mean, most of the time, if I wasn't, half of them would text me or or something like that when they went home or over the weekend. Yeah. And then some of the other ones, um, I had a, a good amount of older clients that were, that were actually faculty at the school, and they weren't big into texting and stuff like that. But I would actually clock out and then come back and spend an, an extra, like, 10, 15 minutes talking to them about why we did certain things or what they could carry over going home or into the next couple of days if they were going to do a session on their own. So 
See, that's that's perfect. The reason I ask, man, is because that's right there. That's another sign of a good trainer. Trainers who know they're limited in certain ways, whether it's, hey, I'm training you online um, or I only have an hour with you in person, that go out of their way to do everything they can to give you as many resources as they can. Even if they're not charging you extra for it, that's a sign of a good trainer right there. So, I mean, that's um, I commend you for that just because that's what I tried to do, too, when I first started training at UNT in the rec center or even now continuing to train at the TCU rec center is I give them my number, my email. I give them access to things. I give them things to do even when they can't come in and meet with me. Because once again, it's about self-regulation, helping them understand why they're doing everything. And if you know you're limited by that hour or by internet inter or interaction, then you need to do whatever you need to do to make things as easy and simple for them as possible, whether it's Skype calls or having them send you form checks through videos, et cetera. So once again, that's a great sign of a, tra a good trainer right there is, do they care enough about you to do these things, even though it's off the clock or even though you're not paying all this extra for it? Not to say that they need to sell themselves short. I'm not going to sit here and give somebody an extra three hours of training for free, right? That's just selling at that right. point. Yourself over. But like you said, something as simple as taking that extra 10 minutes to help explain why you did what you did. I think that's great. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, man, there's so much stuff you could talk about, but we might, we might have to set up another one if, for some more topics later down the road. But for for some people – as a take-home message for, you know, people, whether they're a beginner, intermediate, just just some general advice from the swole fester, a good good majority of people can take home and apply, you know, what, what would you what would you say to that group of people that, you know, can cover them in most most aspects of training? Yeah, man. Um as cliche as it may be, I think I would say that uh you only have one body, right? It's yours, and then I think you should care enough about it to invest in it. So with that being said, take the time to plug into things before you making it before you spend your time, your money, and your body on you know different coaches or trainers or programs. Just take some time to really like look into things to make sure that what you're getting is legit because it is that serious. I know so many people who they literally have kind of let themselves go because they got frustrated and got tired of getting screwed over by trainer after trainer after trainer. But the common denominator of everyone's problem is themselves, right? Like if you keep getting bad trainers, maybe granted, the, I'll be the first to say there's a lot of bad trainers out there, but maybe you're not taking the time to really look into these people that you're signing up with. Right. And um, right. I would say that that's one of the most important things, whether you're beginning or advanced is knowing that you got to have a, know what your goals are, know what you want and what you expect. And in anything that you're looking into, programming, nutrition, whatever, make sure it's going to actually adequately help you get to that. That's the big thing. Make sure it's going to help you, not your best friend or your mom, your dad, or the person you're getting the help from. But make sure it's doing for you what you want it to be doing. And understand that um, they're, they're extremes very rarely work, right? That's probably one of the biggest things I want to take home. Extremes very rarely work. If there's some diet that's overly restrictive of a major food group, or if there's some type of training where you're only doing like just really one style of training and there's nothing else to it, you want to kind of avoid things like that. You want to avoid extremes. Um, most things come down to a balance. Even like I said, like with the evidence-based versus the experience, right? Here's the reality. There are certain general principles that apply to everybody. You are not an exception to it. You are not a unique snowflake in the sense of, um, oh, this physiological principle doesn't apply to me. If you're a human being, then it probably does, right? But right. at the same time, Certain principles apply in a specific way to you because in some instances you are a unique snowflake, right? 
And like I said, we can talk about that more some other time. But I think the biggest take I'm trying to say to all these people is don't be so lazy or even not lazy. Don't be in such a rush to like get results to where you're not really looking at what you're doing because it's your life. It's your health and it matters. And it goes beyond just how good you look. It's about long term results. It's about longevity. So it's important to really just don't do anything without knowing why, period, period. I don't care if it's related to your nutrition, your training, anything in life. You need to have a why for everything that you're doing. That's probably the biggest thing that I can tell anybody listening right now, because that that just covers everything, right? Everything we've talked about comes down to why. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why did you sign up with this guy? Why are you doing this program? Why are you eating this way? Have a why for everything that you're doing and be able to understand it. Dope. Good advice, man. Good advice. So uh, one more time, Marcellus, man, You, if you want to, if there's anyone listening that isn't already following you or, or has checked you out before, go ahead and drop your uh, all your stuff one more time, man. Yeah, so, uh, you guys can find me on Instagram at the Swolefesser, one word, T-H-E-S-W-O-L-E-F-E-S-S-O-R. Um, you can find me on YouTube, the same thing, the Swolefesser. Or if you guys have any questions, um, not even just regard to like training, we just have general questions you want to answer, then shoot me an email at theswolfester at gmail.com. I'm always down to chat, try to help you figure out what's going on as far as your goals and do what I can to help you. Cool, man. Cool, cool, cool. And I'll I'll uh, I'll drop that stuff down uh with some links down in the description too. So you know people don't want to be typing stuff in. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> but uh yeah, I'll, I'll type that up for you and put it in the description to make it easy. And uh, if you just want to hang out for a little bit, actually, I'm going to hit you up right after to, to talk some logistics. But, um, yeah, we, we appreciate uh, you coming on and dropping some knowledge on everyone. And, uh, yeah, if you guys haven't listened haven't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review if you haven't. Check out my boy Marcellus at the Swole Fesser on all the social media platforms. And uh, until next time, I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Be easy.